Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Rickia, and this is episode number 206 of the podcast. It's the 11th of December, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with unschooling mom, Kinsey Norris. Kinsey has a background in early childhood education, and it was fascinating to see how many seeds were planted along the way that ultimately grew into the amazing unschooling life they are living as a family today. As a personal update, this week I am just working away and having fun menu planning for hosting my side of the family for Christmas Eve dinner. <laughs> and I want to take a moment to thank Claire for recently posting a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. She wrote, I am so grateful for this podcast. It has completely changed my life for the better in so many ways. The stories that have been shared have made me realize that I am not alone in how I think about children, parenting, and life, even though my views differ from those around me. It has helped me find my way when there was no clear direction. I think this is an invaluable resource for parents on the unschooling journey, and even for those who are simply open to hearing a new perspective on parenting. Thank you so much to Pam and all the guests for sharing your stories. My family and I are forever grateful. It's wonderful to catch a glimpse of the ripples that happen as the podcast goes out into the world. So thanks again, Claire. And thanks so much to the many guests who have shared their unschooling stories on the podcast. It makes me all melty to think about. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Layla Pilivanovic, I'm sorry, <laughs> and Anne Bailey Kruger. Hi, Layla. Hi, Anne. <laughs> I deeply appreciate all my patrons, even if I can't pronounce their names very well. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, let's dive into my conversation with Kinsey. Welcome, I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Kinsey Norris. Hi, Kinsey! Hi! Hi! <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that you're here, too. Just as a little introduction, I have really enjoyed being connected with Kinsey online. It's, it's been a while now, and I really enjoy the stuff that you're posting and your photos and stuff like that. So I was really excited when you said yes, and we get to dig deeper into your family's unschooling experience. So yes. to get us started, Kinsey, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what each of you are into right now? Sure. So I am a really um, extroverted person, um, which means I 
process things really outwardly, so I hope I don't ramble too much. Um, but I, um, I love everything unschooling. I have really loved learning about unschooling and really uh, diving deeply into how to unschool better and gaining a, a, a better understanding uh, about it over the last few years. That's been a very constant interest for me. Um, let's see. I... Right now, well, I'm kind of a scanner type personality. I will dig deeply into something and then move on to the next thing. I have a lot of unfinished projects and stuff like that. <laughs> but sometimes I'll circle back around and come back to the same interest. Right now, I am really enjoying like um, multi generational stories, uh, like fiction and nonfiction. Um, so I, it's funny because I never really consider myself a history person. I, I, I hated history, I thought, you know, but I've, it's kind of fun. I've learned through these stories that I really enjoy learning about history and geography and things like that, but in the concept, the context of these like sweeping stories. So that's been really cool for me yeah. to learn that about myself. Um, I am a former uh, early education, uh, early childhood education um, person, teacher. Um, I come from a family of educators, uh, both my parents and my brother, um, as does my husband, uh, Nick. Mm -hmm. uh, his mom was a teacher and librarian, and uh, his dad has farmed his whole life. Um, so Nick, we met in college here in Lubbock, Texas, that's where we live. We went to Texas Tech University, and that's where we met. And we've been married almost 10 years this June. Uh, he's still, I guess he still makes me blush. I'm over here like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> um, so he farms now, uh, mostly cotton, some grains. Um, we don't live on the farm. We don't have any farm animals or anything like that. Although we kind of throw that idea around every so often. Um, but he, um, his family has farmed forever and my, I have a lot of family members who farm too. We both grew up in really small farming communities around here where we live. Mm -hmm. So we had all of that kind of in common. And, uh, so yeah, he, so that's what he's doing now. Uh, aside from running our farm operation, he's super, super passionate about football um, and yeah, and all Texas Tech athletics, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, so every season, so it's all year, it's all year round here. Uh -huh. Um, so he actually used to coach. He, he coached at the college level for a while, um, at the beginning of our marriage and, um, right up until about the time that Riley, our first daughter was born. Um, we, after she was born, we kind of decided that staying closer to home and our families, uh, the farming lifestyle might be a little bit more conducive to our needs as a family, uh, rather than coaching, which you could, you know, probably would have taken us all around the country. So we're happy to be home close to our family. Um, let's see. Other than that, he, he's a really avid Call of Duty player. Uh, he's been doing that, playing that for about 10 years and he likes to hop on with some of our friends and 
and, and play that. And we've been playing some or watching some playthroughs and stuff together here lately. So that's been really fun to do that together. Uh, let's see. He reads all the time about all kinds of random things. I always tell him he would have been the perfect unschooler because he's a really curious person and loves to learn, but he did not like school at all. And uh, I think he sort of skated by on the bare minimum mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout his whole school career and um, with his charm, I think. <laughs> so um, he's very much like a rabbit trail kind of guy. He's, he, yeah. he's, he's a lot of fun, really just warm and funny. Um, let's see. And then there's Riley. So we have two girls. Riley's eight and Emmy Quay is five. Um, Riley, I would say is she's kind of been our guiding light for our family. Um, when it comes to like decisions that we've made for our family and stuff, like I said, after she was born, we decided to stay um, close to home mm-hmm. and uh, kind of change up our whole lifestyle really uh, to, to take care of her. So in the beginning she had some medical things going on and we weren't really sure what was happening. Lots of extensive and exhausting medical testing and things like that. Um, seeing specialists having very unclear and inconclusive results and stuff. And it was all really traumatic for a while. The first six months of her life, I would um, so finally we kind of were just like, okay, enough of this. Like we're, we're done with all of this. And we just, um, sort of embraced her for who she was and how she was unfolding. She had some really, um, profound sensitivities. Um, and as far as her like global development, it was all just really uh, um, unfolding really quite differently than um, most other children. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of embraced that and learned to adapt to that and uh, her needs and, and just really accommodate for her. And we're still really committed to doing that now. even. So uh, she is super kind and compassionate. Um, she can't stand for anyone to be like hurt or sad. She's goofy. Sometimes she really, um, comes alive and shines late at night. Uh And so that's a lot of fun. And she is really passionate about, uh, passionate about everything. Super Mario. Uh So that started, I think, with like uh, the classic, uh, classic Nintendo, and then it kind of moved on to Wii, the Nintendo Wii, and um, we got a Wii U and played that for a while. And then she, she ventured on to Nintendo Switch games. She loves watching all kinds of playthroughs yeah. on YouTube. That's her thing, um, and she really intently studies those and and learns all about the games and the characters and everything like that. So that's been sorry. So that's been, um, that's been really fun. So we, uh, we, for a few months saved up some money and, and we were able to get a Nintendo switch and that has been so much fun. That's probably the thing that we do most together mm-hmm. as a family. Uh, right now we're playing through, uh, Luigi's mansion three together. I so remember playing through that with Michael. <laughs> It has been so much fun. We 
it, and it really is like a whole family affair. Yeah. You know, and even if like we're playing, Riley might go back to her room to do something and Nick and I are still like working on it. And then we get to the car where we don't know what to do. And we're like, Riley, come help us. What do we do here? You know, and she'll come in and go, oh, you have to do this and that. And, you know, and helps us how to navigate or tells us where to go or whatever. Because she has really like studied these games through YouTube. And uh, so that's been just, I don't know, really fun to do together. Um, she's into really into role playing. She likes several different families, YouTube channels, uh, things that have like um, role playing type, you know, scenarios and stuff like that. She really likes to, to use um, character figurines to sort of pretend play and role playing like that and creating dialogue and stuff. She likes for you, she likes for us to be there with her next to her while she's playing, but she doesn't necessarily want you to enter into play with mm-hmm. her because she's got it in her mind how she yep. wants things to go. I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, she does. She she likes to wrestle and roughhouse, which is really fun, and um, that's something that she and Amy Quay and I and Dad too when he's home, but um, we all do together. Which is nice because typically Riley's really more of like a homebody kind of person and typically she likes things to be kind of quiet and still and predictable and stuff, which is quite the opposite of what Amy Quay brings to the equation usually. <laughs> so this rough house kind of play is has been really good in connecting for us. It's a lot of fun. Um, let's see here. Um, so Amy is... I was, Emmy Quay is, we call her Emmy. Her name's Emily. We call her Emmy, Emmy Quay. So if I, I might refer to her. Oh, well, actually, she's changed her name to Unicorn right now. So there's, there's that. So sometimes Unicorn. Uh, But she is just like this force of spectacular energy. Uh, She's, she's like naked and rugged and, rough and stuff you know one minute and then the next minute she's like perfectly made up with full-on makeup and dressed in a fancy dress and nails painted and all that kind of stuff so she you never know what you're going to get with her um she's also really kind and compassionate she uh loves to take care of you know the smallest of creatures around here geckos we find geckos around and she loves to carry them around and help them back outside and things like that. <clears throat> she's, um, she's just really, um, she's persistent about the things that she wants to accomplish. She's very in tune with her self and what feels good to her. She's very playful and talkative. She's interesting. Yet she's interesting to watch and to talk to. She has interesting things to say and to talk about. Um, she loves like lighthearted jokes and pranks and stuff. That's one thing that one of her interests, she likes to watch uh, prank videos on YouTube. So she's always telling knock knock jokes or um, things like that. We play Roblox together. She likes playing Roblox and watching Roblox playthroughs. Um, let's see. Oh, she's constantly um, mixing up concoctions all over the place. Um, she's very much like a cause and effect 
type person. She's always like mixing stuff and freezing stuff and melting stuff, dissolving stuff. Anything tactile she loves, like slime and kinetic sand or oobleck, um, like immersing her whole body into a box of flour, like things like that. She's just, she's into everything. Um, they, the kids, they, they, they both love, we have uh, several pets. Uh, we have a dog, River. We have four rats and lots of fish. And they love, we all love our pets and they love to help take care of, of them and stuff. Um, we, oh, we also like to spend a lot of time with, with family. So with us still being here where we kind of grew up, we have both of our parents are still here. Um, our grandmothers are still he are here and um, we've got some cousins and stuff. They're really close. So we have a really tight knit, you know, supportive community village around us. And so, you know, we're really grateful for that. And uh, so the kids have really close relationships with, with all of them and we spend a lot of time with family. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot. But yeah, that's a yeah. But see, okay, so that was beautiful. <laughs> Okay. And as I was listening, there was something that I, I wanted to bring out for people because you spoke so beautifully about all of them. Like you shared how they shine, how, how they enjoy being in the world. And I just want people to make sure that they notice number one, like, and you mentioned it, how different they are how different their personalities oh, yes. are, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, you talked about those first six months with Riley and how challenging and traumatic that was trying to figure out what was going on. And then that shift to just embracing her as she was and working with her, meeting her where she was and just working with that and not, you know, um, comparing against more conventional timelines of childhood development and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, because I think sometimes um, when people hear all these, the, the lovely descriptions of, of um, people's lifestyle and their children, it can um, be easy to take that just um, on the surface level. That's not really what I mean. What I'm saying, like, to think, well, they have such easy kids or, you know, that's because. But it, it really is our work to do, isn't it? To do okay. that transition, to see how they shine, to accept how they shine, to get mm -hmm. to a point where we are, we realize that that's more important to us, because that's, these are individual choices to make, right? That we are choosing to value that over matching conventional milestones or yeah. over matching conventional interests yeah. or, you know, things, what we should and shouldn't do playing together, you know, yeah. just, just stuff like that. Like, because when we, we talk about them and when you're speaking of them, it's so beautiful and we can see them, you know, we can feel their joy coming out in this way and that way. And, you know, just diving in, physically diving into all these concoctions and, you know, oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, you can just, you can see the mess, you know, when, when you take a moment to think about it. So that's all. I'm just encouraging people to realize like, how much of that is um, de-schooling work that you've done, right? To um, 
to get that to that point where this is what you value, where you see them clearly through their own joys, not through filters of things that we often bring to first having children. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, it does. You know, and I think some of that was a little bit easier for me to move through because I was in early childhood education and I was with infants and toddlers. Well, so, okay. So as far as like, um, you know, all this tactile sort of play and mess and things like that, like, that stuff was like nothing for me because I'm like, that's good stuff. <laughs> you know, as far as, you know, just letting kids get in there and allowing them to get in there and really explore things and, and stuff like that. Now, you know, going back to sort of, you know, Riley kind of embracing her for who she was and, and measuring, you know, against, timelines and other children and all that kind of stuff. You know, we did go in and out of that kind of thing because, you know, we, we were, which, you know, I'll talk about that. Um, my te- you know, when I was teaching and stuff and the girls went to school with me. So we were surrounded. We were in that um, still very much like um, education type environment. It was a little different just because it was, it's, it's different. It was different than like, um, your public school setting or something like that. They, they really, you know, we really embraced natural learning and stuff like that, but there were still like, Oh, you know, milestones and stuff. So she, she was in and out of therapy for a while, like in, um, you know, toddlerhood and a little bit later, maybe around three or something. But again, we, so we got into, it's like, we found ourselves in all of this and we weren't really seeing Um, we were just, what we experienced was that the stress and the anxiety of doing all that stuff was outweighing any kind of benefits that we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And so again, kind of like in our infancy when we were like, we're done, you know, you know, just forget it. Like we're, we're just gonna let her be her. We kind of had did that again, you know, as she got a little bit older when we found ourselves, you know, kind of in this really kind of just boxing kind of situation where she needed to be checking these boxes and she needed to fit in a box like this and this is what she should be doing and all this kind of thing. So we, you know, and it's, it's been a journey like that with her, I think. Yeah, no, I love I love that description, and and that's the thing too. It's it's not it's not at all about. I think what we lose is the have tos, right? The have you have to do therapy. You have to like it's not like it's bad, as in no, yeah. you know, maybe that maybe it's it's very useful. But the point sure. is that you guys got to a point where you waited and you said, you know what, the the negative. Um, implications of our environment is outweighing the benefits. So for us, this is the time when we're going to say no more right now. Thanks. Right. And I think we noticed too, where she was kind of, you know, like even before she was verbal, even taking on this, I don't know, these messages maybe or this like anxiety about, there's something wrong with you that we're needing to fix. Fix. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. 
that is not at all what we want her to feel in herself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's beautiful because, um, you know, sometimes people can feel like we're not, to me, it's all about exploring the world and exploring our options and possibilities. But like you said, it's, it's for them. It's not about fixing them Mm -hmm. like from the outside. It's about helping them from the inside, helping them where, where it, where it can help them, you know, um, versus where it's something we're more imposing on them. You know, right. I, I think people, you can sense what the difference is there. And, and sometimes you need to try things before you can tell. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But yeah, so. no, that, that, that's awesome. Thank you very much for, for sharing that piece because I think that's, that just helps people see or realize that there's a different way to look at things. Like so often we get caught up in the expert, you know, paradigm, right? Where other people know more and they need to tell us how to do these things. But I think part of de-schooling is also regaining our sense of agency in our lives, right? That what we see is really valid and, and, you know, these are our choices to make. We don't have to just always do things because we're told to do them. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm curious then through that, how you discovered unschooling and what your family's choice and move to unschooling looked like. Okay. <laughs> Where to begin? Where to begin? <laughs> so I think, I was thinking about this, and I think sort of the seeds for unschooling, I think, were kind of planted, like, long before um, Nick and I were even together. We got married. Like, I was thinking about, um, like, when I was an undergrad. So I think lots of things happen kind of in conjunction with one another in order to, like, provide the environment for those little unschooling seeds to grow. (laughs) So um, when I started to going to tech to school, um, I had already changed majors and schools. I think this was my going to be my third major and my third school in like a year and a half or something like that. Yeah. So I, all of my basics were done. I didn't know what to, I wanted to do. I just didn't. But like all my basics were done. So time to choose. You got to choose. <laughs> you know. So I was comfortable with, I was comfortable with um, education, the idea of like education and being a teacher. So like that, because that's what I was familiar with, you know, mm-hmm. family. Um, so that's what I chose. And I, I chose early childhood education because I just kind of thought, I think I would, you know, enjoy being with young kids, you know, as opposed to middle school or high school age kids. So that's where I went. It wasn't necessarily something I really wanted to do. But what surprised me um, was that I somehow this, as I, you know, got introduced, I don't know, when I really got into it, this passion for respecting children and um, connection for learning and treating them like whole people. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I, 
this passion for this stuff grew inside of me. Like I just, that was, I didn't expect it. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. So I really got into it. And then, um, so a couple things were happening to around the same time. So I, while I was in school, I was, I was working at a part-time at a minimum standards daycare here in town. And then I also started my lab experience in my coursework at the lab school at tech. And so I was able to see and observe what be a part of firsthand the differences in how children were affected when you have a very, on one hand, supportive um, environment where children were, their feelings were acknowledged, validated, they were supported, they had guidance during problem-solving situations rather than like this um, punishment reward type situation, you know, so, and, you know, on the other hand, I was, in, in, in the other classroom, it was very much like survival mode, behavior management, assembly line type environment. Okay, so I was noticing, I mean, I, I was witnessing and being, I was part of it every day, like, oh my God, like it was so jarring and it was life-changing for me to be a part of that and to just see the, the different effects that, it, that, you know, that I was seeing with these children. And they were in about the same age group. Um, so I got really fascinated and really passionate about the um, more respectful, you know, kind of environment and um, viewing behavior as communication. You know, this idea that, you know, behavior has meaning. You know, they're not, you know, showing these negative behaviors or whatever to be bad or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be immersed in that more. And so I uh, started working part-time at the Child Development Research Center at Tech, there where I was having my lab experience. I started working there. And then, um, so, and then at the same time, <laughs> I also started nannying for a couple of professors and their three-month-old infant. Uh-huh. And um, so I was seeing... Uh, so all the things that I was learning, like in my prenatal and infant and child development classes, I was making connections with what I was experiencing in the classroom at the center. And then also now with this new infant that I was taking care of. So all of these things were connecting for me. And, and then when I was there at her house, so she slept a lot, right? She was three months old. And that was before smartphones. We didn't have Facebook or anything. So I would peruse through her parents' library, their collection of books, and I picked up one day um, Natural Childbirth, The Bradley Way, Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know if you've heard of that. Anyway, so um, I read through that, and I was hooked on this birth and and natural childhood or uh, pregnancy and natural birth and, and labor and stuff like that, and all of the... Uh, biological processes and, and all of this stuff. And things from that book were connecting with stuff that I was learning in my classes and with this infant and in the classroom. Like it was all just wow. interweaving. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. I know. But it, 
that's why, see, Pam, that's why I was looking back like, oh, God, where do I even start? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so then I start researching all of this. So, okay, and then that, that was the first time I'd ever um, heard of home birth. Mm-hmm. And so as I started researching that and everything, I, I decided, I mean, this was way before Nick and I were married or before we wouldn't even think about having kids, but I was having home births. You know, from that time on, I was having, yeah. and then I, I just kept on uh, researching, you know, birth process and natural labor and, and birth practices and things like that. Um, you know, neurobiological relationships between moms and babies and stuff. All this stuff was connected. So fast forward, um, you know, we got married and then I became pregnant uh, pretty soon after. And of course, my research continued and came across like natural weaning and bed sharing and attached parenting and stuff like that. And that's, and we did have home births and uh, we did very much so adopt like the attachment parenting type, you know, uh, style of parenting. So I think those were some of the little seeds that were kind of planted because unschooling to me really feels like um, kind of a continuation Mm -hmm. of attachment. Although we, so I did mention, all right, so I stayed home with Riley for like the first 14 months of her life. Um, and then I, when I went back to work, I went back to work at the CDRC where it had all of these experiences in school. I went back as a teacher mm-hmm. in an infant and toddler classroom. So that was most of my early childhood education uh, in the profession uh, experience. Um, so, and it was, um, so the culture there, like I said, is very supportive of children. There's not any kind of, uh, you know, re- reward, punishment system. Everything is very, like, um, you know, conversational. We have conversations about everything. There's no time out. There's no anything like that. Uh, really helped um, to educate parents on or about respectful parenting and stuff like that. So that's kind of what we that's kind of, you know, just how we were living. So the girls, when I started back to work, Riley was in my classroom. So that was really cool. And she moved on in the center, you know, up through the classrooms. And then Amy Quay also was in my classroom too. So um, that was a really unique experience for them to be able to be at work with me and in my classroom. Um, So, but then, um, so that's, that's kind of what we did um, until, about it was it was about time for Riley to age out of the center. It's a zero to five classroom, uh, or six. You know, it's before kindergarten. So when I started to look into um, kind of what our choices were going to be for her and how she was going to be kind of best, what was going to be the best thing for her, the most supportive thing for her. You know, we started kind of having concerns about her moving on to a school environment that was going to be very different from what she was accustomed to. So I <clears throat> arranged a meeting with the school, just dis- some, some personnel from the school district here, just to sort of explore with them, you know, what, uh, how they could serve her and, and, and how they were, could support her. And, and um, I was just really disheartened after that meeting. Um, as a mom, of a child who was probably was likely going to need extra support. And as an early childhood educator, like coming from that point of view too. And just, 
you know, kind of hearing what, how, where the focus has gone in, in early childhood education. So after that meeting, we just, we just kind of knew that public school, we could just kind of scratch off the, of the list. It just wasn't going to be a fit for her or for us. So, um, you know, and then we, homeschooling was kind of an option in the hat, but we were trying to explore kind of our school options first. There was a couple of private schools that we kind of thought about too, um, but everything seemed to be really like worksheet driven and stuff like that. And that just really did not, resonate with me uh coming from you know just with my background and stuff um so and and then also you know I of course didn't like all of the punishment and reward systems that are pretty much in place everywhere it seems like uh so then you know I just started researching homeschooling more and more and just kind of playing with that idea, what that might be like. Uh, so I read a, a book or two and I made this like rough kind of, um, kind of like a schedule or flow of our day, kind of like how our days might go, you know, this made up this, this rough schedule sort of. And I even kind of threw around the idea of, um, converting Nick's man cave into our schoolroom. And so I just was thinking, you know, we, I can just take what we're doing at the center, you know, because I was already really experienced in creating uh, plans and things like that based on children's individual interests and stuff like that. I thought I'm just going to do at home. I can just do at home what I'm doing here at school. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt really comfortable about that. And I thought, well, you know, I, I know how to do reading instruction. I know how to do math instruction. And then, and I'm pretty sure I can figure out later how to, how to um, teach those other subjects. So that's, that's what we'll do. And uh, then I don't know, one day I, somehow I found myself, I, I somehow found, um, Amy Child's podcast. And I heard Sandra Dodd talking about unschooling. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> like, this is it. It made so much sense. And I was, and like the relief, because I was kind of having some anxieties about like how I was going to keep these schedules afloat and like, are they really going to want to go out and do schoolwork in the schoolroom and stuff like, like, Oh, you know, I don't know. And so when I heard her describing the, you know, talking about unschooling, I was like, like, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like, duh. You know, like I had watched all those other things from earlier. Right. Right. And I've been watched, I've watched like infants and toddlers completely just natural learning in front of my eyes for how many years now like yeah of course but that I don't know it was just such a foreign thing because surely you have to teach you know there yeah natural learning cool up until a certain age but then like you have to teach them how to read and you have to teach them how to do math and stuff right you know but 
I don't know when I heard her talking about this. And then I went through all of these uh, episodes about each of the subjects, which is really mm-hmm. helpful to me to hear like, okay, well, how does unschooling cover basically all of these subjects? Like, what does that look like? And that was really helpful to me. And I was like, all right, sold. Like, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was really excited about it. And um, so I don't know. That was like this, I don't know, during the springtime. So, so we, we, I took that summer and we basically, we lived like unschoolers. Of course, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much different it was summertime. I don't know how much different we would have lived any other summer really, Yeah. but I just kept learning and stuff and it was just really exciting. So we, we, we continued on um, like that the next year, I think we went one more year um, at the center all together. And then um, I, and we were kind of trying to figure out how we we're going to make this all work financially. So uh, we had decided after that year that I, that I would stay home, but we were, but we were still kind of considering maybe, I think probably for like the, having the kids be around other children kind of aspect of things. Well, maybe, you know, we'll put Riley in this, uh, we'll have her go to this half day, little small half day church kindergarten, um, you know, this next year and then had homeschool full time, kind of like easing into homeschooling. Like Emmy Quay could have gone to the center still part time or so we thought we'll just ease into this homeschooling, unschooling thing. But then, you know, after another summer, a wonderful summer of us spending it together and the closer it got to school starting again, I was like, nope, like we're, we're doing it. We're just we're going to do it we're starting this unschooling journey. I think I just knew in my being that this, that is where we would end up anyway. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't want to waste any more time. Like, we're doing it. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And that was a really long story. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that moment too. Cause when, when I had discovered it, and, you know, we talked about it and we had that same, you know, um, I talked about it before with Rock and I and me leaving work, all that kind of stuff. But once it had kind of um, solidified as an option, we weren't going to wait any longer. Like the kids were home for March break and we had just so much fun that week. Yes. Like, why should they go back for a few months? Yeah start later you know it's like no no we'll just we'll just start now because once we were had a taste of it we didn't Mm -hmm. didn't want to go back (laughs) yeah yeah no that makes so much sense and I love the way that like for thanks for starting that story that early just because all those seeds right (laughs) that you were talking about you know you could see the various the various little pieces that you were putting together and that when right. you found unschooling, it connected on so many levels, right? To everything that you had been picking up over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I did, I did teach one year. So Nick and I, when we were engaged a couple years after I graduated, um, I taught one year in public school somewhere else. And you know, after that one year of my experience there, it was enough for me. And so when we were, we were, um, 
looking at all these options and stuff, I just thought, why would I want to send my child to somewhere that I don't even want to be? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So no, that's a great point. that was kind of another piece. Like I had already kind of felt that as an adult and I don't know, just thinking about her um, individually, I thought, Ooh, this, I just think it's going to be a really overwhelming yeah. situation. Yeah, no, no, that's really interesting. So, you know, as we're talking about all this, you, you did a lot of the educational piece of de-schooling just through your your work, right? Through your interest in early childhood education and stuff. So um, that piece seems like it kind of flowed well for you. Well, and then and then all the different topics, right? And, and I'll share a link to uh, Amy's podcast. Uh, unschooled life or unschooling life an unschooling life I think I think it's called yeah but anyway yeah I'll share to that um so that people can take a peek at that so I'm curious what you found to be the most challenging aspect of de-schooling as you know you found unschooling and you were um, moving that way embracing that more and more you didn't need the schoolroom I assume Nick still has man cave. <laughs> he was so happy. <laughs> so fine. He was not going to have to lose his that man up? cave after all. So, uh, yeah, I'm so curious to hear about your experience working through. Uh, you know, that's so funny, too. It was such a huge relief to me, too, because, like I said, I'm like a really kind of scanner type person. Like, I'm like the epitome of unfinished projects. Yeah. And so. I thought, oh my gosh, a schoolroom, like, how am I, I'll never finish that, there's no way. So, we don't have to do a schoolroom, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that was a really easy one to let go, thankfully. Um, no, yeah, so, I did, you're right, like, I think a lot of the natural learning part and part things like that were pretty easy for me to move through because mm-hmm. of my background. Um, you know, on my, there's been a couple times in the past where I've panicked briefly about, you know, reading or something like that, but I can, or, you know, when I was first starting to kind of, um, purchase foods and bring foods into the house that I hadn't ever brought into the house before I had a little bit of, you know, a couple panicky moments about things like that, but, you know, I was able to pretty easily kind of peel back the layers there and sort of move move through those things. So I would say, uh, this makes me feel really vulnerable, by the way. Okay. <laughs> this piece. That's okay. No, um, it's honestly the challenge. So my challenges really, I don't feel like had to do much with the kids at all. Like, um, my challenges were more really personal and internal, like about myself. So like really embracing becoming the learner again, after having been an educator about learning and being someone that others came to a lot of times for answers about children and learning and connection and things like that, um, you know, for a good part of a decade. Mm-hmm. So kind of 
um, embracing that role of, of, of being a beginner again and releasing that role of being an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still very much wanted to like advocate what was right for children and learning even though I really was starting over with my own learning. Mm-hmm. But does that make sense? Oh, so, a lot of sense, yeah. So, and like at the beginning of our journey, I was following several Instagram and Facebook accounts and blogs and stuff that depicted unschooling in this very like, perfect and pretty way or like this really trendy kind of wild and free and, and, and stuff like that. And, and so in part, like visually that was kind of shaping for me what I thought good unschooling was supposed to look like, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what I was sort of trying to create for us. Um, So basically, in my efforts to not have my kids shoved into boxes, I was almost creating my own box for our, for our unschooling life. Wow. That That is, that's such a great insight, Kinsey, (laughs) because it's so true. I mean, Really, really, because when you're first learning, you're like, what does unschooling look like? What do days look like, right? And you're really searching. I mean, everybody is. I remember those times too. And and it is so easy, not so easy, but, you know, to see how it looks in other people's families and to feel mm-hmm. like that's what we should be shooting for, right? Yeah. And I do think that is part of the journey. So many people um, hit that spot. And, mm-hmm. and it is that moment, that, that realization eventually, as you keep learning about it. Like you said, this is something that you've been interested in and you're continuing to learn about. But that mm-hmm. kind of aha moment when it's not about the what that they're doing, it's about the why. Mm-hmm. The what they're doing is what fits for their family, right? Mm-hmm. And that the why behind it, it can look very different in our own families, right? Like you said, that box, that vision that we have in our head because we see how other how it looks in other people's families, and we're like, right. okay, that's that's kind of what I'm shooting for. We we all want we we want to know where we're trying to get to, right? And then we try to um, make it look like that for our family. And eventually, it so often, it doesn't really work, right? Because we're not the same people as, as that other family. And the right. realization that it's, it's – and it's so scary as well to, to realize that that's an open question. What does it look like in our family, right? And that we can't really look outside – to see that, that we are instead creating it for ourselves. I mean, that is scary. That beginner's mindset too, that you talked about. I loved that as well. It's a, you know, I am, it's a total role shift for us 
to that learning piece. But then, you know, in that learning piece, we see other things and we're like, oh, that's what, that's what we're shooting for. And then we get to the point, like, I, that's what I love about seeing unschooling as a journey because it's all these, all these little steps, all these little realizations and insights along the way and aha moments that we have as we peel away those layers, like you were talking about before, peeling away those layers and realizing, because then, like you said, those periodic kind of panic moments or anxiety moments where it's like, I'm really trying to do this, but it's not working for us. It's not working for us. And then it's like, is it the unschooling? Is it us? Is it something we're doing wrong? And then when you're peeling away those layers, you come to realize, no, it's it's not about us doing things wrong. It's about those not being the things that fit well for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so – and and – and the great thing is, and the interesting thing is talking to so many different people about unschooling and what it looks like in their lives. I, I hope people take away how it looks very different. Yet you can hear um, the joy in all the guests' voices as they talk about their family and, and everything, right? Because that's the root of unschooling. That yeah. is is the inner gooeyness that's, that's so lovely, but it looks so different for each family, but it takes, it takes a while to get there. Doesn't it? Yes, it really, it really does. And it, it, you know, it has for me and and I think it, you know, it's, it's continuous. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're all growing and changing right along the way. We as parents are, our kids are, um, you know, and, and, what work that's that's the thing the other thing is that as you kind of figure out and get to a spot where you know everybody's kind of connected and related and we kind of understand each other we've got a good flow going it's not going to stay that way <laughs> right you know when i was kind of doing that I, when i was sort of in that it like i was still i still I don't know. I still really wanted to like share my passion and like really advocate what was, you know, helpful for children and learning con- and connection and stuff like that. But, you know, when I was sort of doing that and this kind of, I don't know, it felt like this like platform kind of way I was actually missing out on a deeper connection with my own actual children, mm. you know, and on how to un- unschooling better. You know, but yeah, as time went on, I sort of, I began to just dig deeper and be more introspective, I think, and make intentional choices about what things were, were moving us closer to real rich unschooling in our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what was reflecting on what was serving my relationships with my kids and um, kind of this getting more into this, like soaking into my bones kind of learning about unschooling instead of this like surface level kind of regurgitative head knowledge kind of that I was, you know, for me, that's I, I. That is something that I find fascinating. Is that the the intellectual understanding of unschooling yeah, yeah, that level, yes. and that's a great place to get to. But you can't stop there. 
If you stop yes. there, then then it's more like unschooling rules and I should be doing this and, and I got to do this and I, I got to say yes all the time. And I, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you yeah. understand it intellectually, why it makes sense, why natural learning works and all that kind of stuff. But there's that layer deeper where you, uh, I think I use a phrase, like you feel it in your bones, like, you know, yeah. in your soul, because that's when you've gotten to the point where you have that level of self-awareness that you've mm -hmm. peeled back all that stuff and where you've come to value, like you were saying, everybody as individual whole people. And, and you've yep. really spent that time um, connecting without that kind of judgmenty level. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, without that sort without those rules kind of frameworked on top of it, how does it really work for us? You know, what does my child really enjoy doing? How do I really connect with them? Right. Instead of sometimes maybe it's easier to think of instead of a role, because at first when we intellectually understand it, we're trying to step into the role of, unschooling parent. Yeah. Maybe that, that could be one way to think of it, but the difference of, of actually just living it, you get to the point where, where you, you do, you feel it in, in your bones so much yeah. more than just an intellectual understanding. We're, <laughs> we're digging deep here. Kinsey. <laughs> and my wheels are spinning right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and for me, like, because, you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm very much like an outward kind of processor. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. my personality. And, you know, so I'm always trying, like, feeling out from other yeah. people, like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, like, so there's, al there's almost like this almost, I don't know, like a approval seeking or like still needing to be validated or relevant or some way or something. And, um, and really what it took was me digging deeper and being with myself, which can be really difficult for me as like an extroverted person, mm -hmm. but really digging deep into my, in, in doing this like tough inner work in order to kind of deeply sink into what true and like good unschooling really feels like, you know, that flow. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, and then like, and really it's when you're in that kind of that flow, it's just so all like encompassing that I, I don't know. It doesn't even really occur to me. Like we're in that. It doesn't really occur to me to really even consider what other people are thinking. Yeah. Is that you know, what, what you like, when you were saying that is a way I, I enjoy talking about de-schooling because so often, like when you're in that intellectual understanding level you're like okay i'm de-schooling i need to go down this path and i want to get it done right yeah like yeah. when am i done de-schooling am, am, am i there yet are we there yet yes okay. yes and then at the end though once you've actually peeled away and done the work it's not even a question you ask yourself anymore 
because you're not judging that anymore. You are, you've gotten to that point where you're just living and Mm -hmm. connecting and being with your family and being in that flow um, and just living life together. And that's where the value is. And you lose that intellectual look at like feedback, validation. Am I done? Am I done? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, now it just kind of feels like we're just, I don't know, we're just sort of getting on with things and Mm -hmm. we're just living our lives together. Yeah, yeah, no. And I do, like, you know, you're talking about my posts and things like that. I do still love to share, like, what we're up to and and what we're enjoying and things like that. But I have, like, a really different feeling about it now. Mm -hmm. Like, there's kind of been this shift. It's coming from a different place. Yeah. Um, like, and sometimes I'll even share what feels like more like journal entries almost. Um, but I really enjoy doing that. And I, I enjoy like put, that's kind of how I enjoy putting like love and joy out into the world, you know, and, and maybe someone will see something and, and, and think, Oh, well, whatever they're doing is, is really cool. Or, you know, Oh, they have so much fun together. And, and, you know, maybe it will, help someone to have more fun with their kids or find more yeah, enjoyment. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I like you were talking about earlier, those little seeds, right? It's just planting those little seeds. Yeah. And, you know, just because it's it's interesting to share, it's fun to share. And also I think, too, part of it, it's also, you know, nice, almost like, journaling for ourselves right that mm-hmm. that we've also got that history because i also think it's an um it's also valuable to document um those good times too like i talk about that during de-schooling remember the times when things are flowing when things are going well because yeah. that that kind of becomes you know your light at the end of the tunnel because when things aren't going well for a while it's like you you realize it's part of the journey. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is the end of the world. You know, we need to just stop doing this. No, that's how you start to recognize the flow, the ups and downs of life. When things go sideways, that things will come back. You know, it's it's all um, it's valuable stuff to remember and have in your back pocket or on your page or on your Instagram when things are going a bit sideways because it reminds you, you know, there are good times. We can get there, right? That's so funny that you bring that up just because, like, you know, the the past few weeks here, you know, like last week we were all sick and – it wasn't much fun around here and you know, like there was kind of, you know, I've gone through some emotional times, you know, when my grandfather just passed away and, you know, there's been some of that ebbing and flowing going here, but, and I had some of those thoughts even before, uh, you know, as we got closer to, you know, chatting, Mm -hmm. like, I just, but, but our lives, you know, like I don't feel very much joy right now, <laughs> right? you know, like yeah. I, but, but it, it really is. But when you look, you know, you're able to look back, um, it, you do see like, well, things in life do, do happen, but you're able to, um, move through those things. Um, and 
I don't know. I don't remember. What I was yeah. about. <laughs> but well, it was a great example that it's true. <laughs> but yeah, being able to to look back at those times as kind of using it as, as using them as a journal and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just a reminder that it sometimes when things don't feel all that great, like it, you don't stay there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. Well, and, and something I've, I've really enjoyed seeing a few times um, is your approach um, to these more challenging moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember as I was moving deeper into unschooling, um, it was a huge paradigm shift for me how to approach these moments when things you know, maybe the kids wanted to do different things. Like you said, your kids have very different personalities. Or maybe I was uncomfortable with something one of my kids wanted to do. And it was such a paradox for me at first, you know, the unschooling approach, as I would be reading and learning about, you know, was to be open, um, that that kind of uh, open approach, open-minded, being creative, um, and just opening up to whatever possibilities, Right. That felt so uncomfortable for me because I had lived in a world where, okay, there's a problem. I'm going to narrow in on the best solution to solve it. And it was all like boom, 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 narrowing things down to find the right answer versus opening things up to all these possibilities. To me, that was so scary. And it felt like just like the opposite of what I thought needed to be done in those situations. Yet, mm-hmm. through through our experiences, right, we do come to see that it's in those challenging moments when our creativity and our kids' creativity really mm-hmm. shines, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And uh, it's, you know, sometimes when you're in all of that, it, it, it feels not only scary kind of to have all this open-endedness about it, but it also feels like a lot sometimes just, I jokingly, you know, will tell Nick, I refer to it as like mental aerobics, <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> trying to, you know, throwing all these ideas around in your head. But yeah, it, it and I do uh, having two children that move through the world very differently, experience the world very differently, have very different needs. We, I do have a lot of, uh, opportunity, opportunity for, yeah. you know, to get creative about things. But like you said, I mean, so do they, you know, so do they. So, um, you know, I think what's helped me in more of these kind of more challenging times is um, remembering, well, like you said, that there are, there are always several, if not endless possibilities Mm -hmm. for, you know, any given situation, you know, and just trying to keep that openness to really be objective about things, um, kind of assessing what the true needs are, you know, being able to kind of back up, slow down, assessing the needs of everybody. Um, slowing down lately, right? Because we feel like we need to rush because we want to get through it. We want to solve it as fast as possible. Yes. But the, so yeah. often it really doesn't need that, that speed, does it? Right. And that's, what's super cool about this whole thing too, is you've got the time mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to rush around and solve this problem right now. 
you know, you have the, the time for these, for this dialogue, these conversations with your kids. So I was thinking something like uh, around here lately, this has been uh-huh. kind of a thing like, um, Amy Quayle want to go outside and play and Riley doesn't, you know, but, um, so going through all these kind of questions, like, okay, well, does, is Riley not wanting to go outside because she's just really into what she's doing right now? Is there something uncomfortable about outside? You know, that is there a way we can make help her to be comfortable outside or what is any Quay wanting to do outside? Um, is there something specific? Can we move that thing, whatever it is inside? Can we do something similar inside? Um, can we, make a plan for to go play outside when dad gets home and maybe do something different altogether. Now there's all of these um, things to go through, you know, your mind. And, and I, sometimes, you know, I'll, and I'll bring the kids in to, to these conversations, you know, I won't bombard them with these questions. You know, some of them are just things I'm going quickly through my mind, but, but like the other day, um, Emmy wanted to go out to use sidewalk chalk. She wanted me to go with her. Riley was watching something on, on the TV and, you know, of course I asked Riley like, Hey, Amy's wanting to go do sidewalk chalk outside. Do you want to come with us? No. And then she, and she also wasn't comfortable with us going out without her. So I'm like, okay, you know, and you just start thinking, okay, what can we do for, in, in order for everybody to be happy and everybody to have their needs met, you know, and to be comfortable. So I said, Oh, Amy, what if we, get a big box and cut the sides and lay it out flat in the floor and bring the sidewalk chalk in. And we can do sidewalk chalk on the box in the floor and watch TV with Riley, you know, and she was, yeah, she loves that idea, you know? So it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like we're constantly coming up with stuff like that, but you know, everybody was happy that worked. We did it. Everybody was happy. Everybody's needs were met. And, um, you know, it just worked. We just, that's, you can, there's almost, you know, always something you can just keep going until everybody kind of feels comfortable with, you know, what you land on, I guess. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if that wasn't comfortable for Amy Quay, then she would have said no, because right. right? And that would have just been another seed for another connection. Well, Oh, what if we did this or what if we did that? You know, mm-hmm. it, it really helps. And, you know, sometimes I think people can be like, oh, you're you're just the focus on working through that to get to the point where everybody's comfortable and happy. But that's that is such a great skill to bring mm-hmm. into the world. Like this is not spoiling or, you know, right. being taken advantage of. Like that's work to do for ourselves if we're feeling that way, right? Because it's not about um, it's not about being martyrly when we're we're approaching conversations like that at all. Like we're bringing ourselves to it; they're bringing their needs, and this is a, such a valuable way just to approach life in the world, right? So it's yeah. not this is 
this is just such great stuff to be doing with them. Right now, it's these little things, but as they get older, it's different things. And as they get to be teens, it's, it's different things again. And and as a young adults out in the world, these are just amazing um, skills and abilities, not only the self-awareness piece, right? So that they're taking just that moment, you know, even Riley saying, you know, no, but I, I also am not comfortable with you guys going out. Like her understanding yeah. that about herself and being able to share that. Awesome, right? Yeah. And to be able to yeah. come up with, oh, like how can we put this puzzle together that yeah. all these pieces fit? Like I just, I love that. And it's, it is so creative and, and it's, it's so helpful, like, like as a skill, as a way of relating to people, as a way of understanding ourselves. Like it hits so many buttons, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, now even at times where we're not even brainstorming about how we're going to go about a, something, Riley will come to me. She'll say, um, she'll come to me and start getting her ideas. Well, what if we do this and then you do that after or whatever, you know? So she's, I think because of all of these conversations that we're having constantly, Mm -hmm. she has learned, you know, she's picked that up and is using it, using those skills, how they're meaningful to her. Yeah. You know, from moment to moment, day to day. That's lovely. That's lovely. Now, you mentioned that uh, where you are, you've got lots of family around you. And I was curious, you know, with the holidays on the horizon, um, spending time with extended family members um, who may not, especially, you know, so I don't know what your situation is. But, you know, especially I know I had a number of family members who were in education, you know, and teachers uh-huh. and, and that kind of stuff. So it can sometimes be challenging when they don't understand our lifestyle. Um, and I was wondering if you just had any ideas or tips to share with uh, people on way things that help you guys move through those moments. Sure. Well, <laughs> um, <so, laughs> as far as like the holidays coming up and stuff. Um, so yeah, we, in our specific situation, we have a lot of family here, close family here, like, well, extended family, but they're very close to yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> and so the people we see at holidays yeah. are mostly the people we see like yeah. on a weekly basis. Ah, there you go. Cool. But, but you know, if, so it's a little different for us maybe than some people, but you know, if, if, I would say if you've got extended family members who maybe you aren't around very much or do have questions or something like that. I mean, like, let's be honest, you're not going to be able probably to have this like in-depth, really effective conversation in the middle of a holiday gathering. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I always try to prepare myself or help do things to help prepare myself um, before going to something like that. And there's lots of resources about this, you know, past online discussions. Um, you, so another, um, episode from Amy Child's podcast, actually a relatives episode, I think, but you were on that one. I don't know if you were reading a talk or one of your essays or something. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Anyway, it was, 
it was a really helpful one, just of kind of practical things mm-hmm. you can do um, if, you know, in these kind of situations where people have questions or something like that. I think also, you know, remembering that every, com- you know, each conversation is a choice. Yeah. You know, you have a choice. That sounds like something Anna would say. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a choice. She probably has. I probably stole that from Anna. But, you know, every conversation is a choice. You know, there's and there are ways that you can kind of move forward with a conversation. You know, if somebody has a question, you know, if they're coming at things from a really genuine, like, point of curiosity, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there are ways to kind of pivot out of conversations too, if needed. Um, you know, if things feel a little bit more like they're coming from a, I don't know, point of concern or needing to pass judgment. some judgment or something yeah. like that for, yeah. for whatever reason. And so if you can kind of, for me, like if I try to so, um, sort of get a feel for maybe where it's coming from, like what the intention behind the question questioning is coming from, I can kind of then uh, figure out more easily kind of where to take things. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, get, um, get into things a little bit, or if you want to sort of just pivot out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Like understanding because m- meeting someone where they are is really, um, where you can connect with them, right? Like if, if they're talking from one perspective and we just stay in our very experienced unschooling perspective, you know, you're neither, neither of you are going to really be able to make connections, which are where we learn, right? If, if we're so far apart, you know, nothing's really going to make sense. We're just kind of talking at each other rather than, Mm -hmm them with each other. So yeah, I find it helpful when the intention piece is very important too, right? Because you you choose to engage, but if it feels like it's judgmental or, or it's, um, you know, they're trying to lead you somewhere to, to make a point to try and trap you or whatever, it all depends on that, you know, pivoting out totally or I used to go and just say oh I'm going to check on the kids yep right and and that there was or I have to go to the bathroom or you know I'm hungry I'm going to go you know there's just so many ways there to easily maneuver (laughs) (laughs) the bean dip maneuver exactly yeah I, I might just turn you know ask you know briefly answer a question or something like that but then just immediately kind of ask the the person something about what's going on in their life or, you know, how was your last vacation or, or whatever, or yes, I'm going to choose, you know, excuse me, I'm going to go check yeah. in with the kids. And, and honestly, I really, I love being with the kids, especially at like family gatherings and stuff like that. So I'll go <laughs> hang out with the kids. You know, we've taken games and stuff before or thought ahead about, you know, some things maybe we can do together Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not finding yourself in some of those conversations you don't really want to be in. We get, we take the switch almost everywhere now with us and we share that and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that was another big piece for me. We would always, because I always wanted the kids to also enjoy this time, right? And so often uh-huh. when we were going places, you know, they didn't have um, other younger kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, so they didn't have toys or, or things for them to do. So it was important for me um, that they enjoy the time as well. So yeah, we would bring consoles and set them up. And, and, or bring games that we knew, like, everyone would enjoy playing together, stuff like that. I always kind of came with a whole arsenal of stuff, plus an idea in my head of, you know, questions I could ask, or I might even say to the kids, oh, remember last time grandma, you know, was doing this, we can ask her about how that's going or whatever. There were a couple times, too, when if the kids were into something, like Harry Potter clue or, you know, monopoly phase for a while. And I would phone ahead and say, Hey, you know, if we bring this, you want to play? Cause the kids are really into it right now, you know, and that would set up for them as well, you know, so they could be expecting it. It wasn't a big shock to them. And because, you know, I found often they wanted to enjoy that time too, but Yeah. The other piece too was, it was funny when I was saying, oh, I'm going to go check on the kids. The back of my mind, even as I said that was, you know what? Most of the time I was already with the kids. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That was more fun than sitting around, you know, the table after dinner for an hour, just chatting about, you know, who's doing what and, you know, all that kind of adult conversation. It was more fun to politics have. and all kinds of things or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, and 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 if I do find myself in a conversation or like with people in our lives who I we are a little, you know, closer with, like my parents or mm-hmm. ex parents or grandparents or you know, and, and they're asking like about what the kids are up to and things like that. Like I really try to keep our joy at the focus, you know, like cool things that we've been up to things that the kids are excited about lately or things we learned lately. And, um, you know, and I think, I hope that my excitement is evident too. And so that, you know, it's probably, hopefully sending the message that, you know, like we're, we're happy and confident about how things are going right now, you know? And, um, so just keeping your focus, I think, on on the joy and the excitement is is really helpful. Yeah, I found that yeah. too with the on you know my husband's side who weren't as familiar or curious about unschooling. After a mm-hmm. year or so of you know me happily answering, like just sharing what we were doing, having fun and everything, um, you know, they just kind of eventually just stopped asking Mm -hmm. or at least Mm -hmm. stopped bothering sharing their concerns because they knew I was going to have an answer and a positive, you know, response to how we were, how we were approaching. And, you know, uh, then eventually after a few years, they were all very happy about it, but yeah, it just took, because that wasn't a place where I wanted to discuss any concerns or questions that I had, right? Because of course the answers were going to come from a conventional perspective. They were going to be, well, put them back in school, you know, and why would I set them up to, to, cause they're wanting to help, right? So their answer is going, is coming from the kindness of their heart from their viewpoint. 
And I know I'm not going to be taking their advice because that's not the path I was wanting. So it was, it would never be a helpful conversation. We were both going to walk away, you know, um, maybe not upset, but not getting, not feeling heard. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that wasn't, that was just wasn't a conversation for us to have. So yeah, being able to share the fun stuff and the joy because that's the piece that they're part of what they're worried about, right? At least seeing that mm-hmm. we're having fun, that the kids are happy, that the kids are actively doing things and, and just enjoying their lives. That that was the mm-hmm. piece that I was really happy to share with them. Yeah, Makes totally. Sense. Yeah. Okay, last question. I would love to hear your favorite thing right now about the flow of your unschooling days. Now that you're all healthy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, things are feeling better now. No, uh, I, no, gosh, well, there's so many things, you know. Um, so I asked Amy Koi this question, oh, actually. Yeah. Like, what is your, you know, what's your favorite thing about kind of just, our, you know, our life every day? And she said, hanging out. You know, and and I loved that. Like, you know, she's so right. We can simply hang out. And, you know, and I think a really cool byproduct of that to me is the discovery that happens. You know, like discovering new interests, discovering new bits of information about places and people or things or, you know, whatever, discovering things about each other and about myself. I don't know. I could, I don't think I could have ever expected or imagined how much more like living like this would give us, you know, aside from like, I don't know the, the learn, I don't know the learning or, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's just really exciting and fun. All of those discovery pieces are really exciting and fun to me. And I just love every minute. And I just, you know, I'm really excited to keep on going to see what's, what's going to happen next. I don't know. I'm just really filled with gratitude to, to be able to live this way with my family. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, Kinsey. And I love that, that hanging out answer. It's just yeah. that space to be together. Yes, to be, just being, you know. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Kinsey. I really appreciated our conversation. It was so fun to hear. Uh, more yeah, to learn more about you guys. That was so awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, man, it's been so great to talk to you. Oh, yay. I'm glad it was. I just love the podcast. I was telling my mom, I'm like, I don't know, there's like over 200 something podcast episodes. And I know I've listened to every single one at least (laughs) once. But I mean, it's been such, such. Oh, so valuable for us and, and, and really supportive. So I just really appreciate all the work that you have done and that you continue to really. Oh, thank you so much, Kinsey. That's awesome. And before we go, uh, where can people connect with you online? Um, yeah. So 
on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Kinsey Riley Norris. If you want to connect with me there. I'm on Instagram, uh, Kins Norris, I think is my username. Um, probably those are the best two places to you? connect with. Yeah, and I'm up for chatting. I love talking about unschooling, so if anybody wants to chat, I'm totally game. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, in the show notes, I will share uh, links to your profiles there so people can connect. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Kinsey. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Pam. You too. (laughs) I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.